Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here going solo today and talking about the Knicks having light practices and kind of a boring preseason so far, to be completely honest, but why that's a good thing and why continuity is king for this team. Plus, the NBA GM survey came out, so I'll talk about where the Knicks are in that, as well as ESPN's NBA rank, which is the last player ranking of the offseason to come out. And, of course, a little disrespectful to your Knicks. So that's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if you want to connect with us even further, this season we're using a thing called Subtext where you can text us right from the text messaging app of your phone. So check out the link in the episode description uh, or the YouTube description to get in on that today. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm Aaron Chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And we've got very little news right now i was like i said to gavin yesterday he's been he's been crushing it during the day putting together some of these player previews with some great personalities from around the Knicks sphere and uh you know i've been busy with my day job or whatever i was like oh, i'll handle a news dump for today and <laughs> i was like what news man there's like so little right now uh zach braziller from the new york post for example the other day he just said the Knicks had a light practice today. Josh Hart did some stuff. Tom Thibodeau hasn't ruled him out for the next preseason game. That's it. That's the news, baby. That's it. Yeah, it seems uh seems like the Knicks are kind of, you know, boring now, but in a good way. Uh for once, there's not an off-season of upheaval. Uh there's not a bunch of guys trying to find new roles, a bunch of guys vying for playing time, hard practices, all this other stuff. We'll see, obviously, how it how it plays out for the Knicks as the season goes on. But I think the fact that they get to kind of have a leisurely preseason for once and actually treat a preseason like preseason, it's kind of nice. I would imagine the the final game will probably see more of like a dress rehearsal in Tibbs fashion, where guys will be you know trying to kind of go all out a little more, or maybe that'll be over the next two games. Uh, but and, and you know the last game will kind of just be used for rest and figuring out those final couple roster spots, but. Either way, things are looking pretty good for the Knicks right now. I mean, I think that the continuity is great. You know, I, I kind of love having this offseason of just kind of flying under the radar and this preseason of kind of just having uh, things be a lot less, uh, a lot more low stakes than they used to be, uh, where it used to be every preseason. It would be like, oh, my God, how is how is Kemba Walker integrating? Uh, you know, how is how is RJ Barrett integrating? How is you know, Julius Randle is first year integrating what's going on. Like, how are things, how are things going? How is this team looking or like coming off a disappointing season, you know, having to look at well, what's, what's going to get better. You know, what's, how is this team going to turn it around? Because the microscope is always on the Knicks. And this year it's just kind of like the team is good. 
and it, they'll remain good, hopefully. And you know, they've they've made some small moves around the margins. You know, they essentially just swapped Obi Toppin for Dante DiVincenzo. So what you saw last year is pretty much what you should get this year. So just uh, be patient and wait for the regular season to start, and we'll be good. And you know what? That's fine by me. I'm good with that. I uh, I don't. I mean, maybe not great for my my news dumps uh, when I'm trying to put together a podcast, but. As a fan of the team and someone who who covers the team, it's uh, it's pretty refreshing not having a, a ton of world on fire type news coming out all the time. So I figured I may as well talk about the NBA GM survey in this case. Uh, so the uh, basically what happens is every year uh, the NBA uh, through NBA.com puts out a survey to all the GMs in the league and asks them to vote on a number of super, superlatives. Uh, and pick which teams and players they think fit these various things the best. Uh, and, you know, they get kind of a consensus from all the teams around the league. And you're not allowed to vote for your own team. So teams don't just like vote for themselves. Be like, well, I think we're going to win the finals. You know, you got to vote for different teams. So uh, in that case, it, it it produces some kind of interesting results and also some kind of uh, you know, superlatives are like a high school concept. If you, it seems like a lot of these lists kind of rely on older information and and preformed opinions and stuff like that, which I'll get to. Like, I don't, I I never fully understand these lists sometimes when I when I look at them and say, why is this guy who still is uh, or, or who's a little over the hill still getting this sort of love? Uh, but let's let's get into the first couple here. So like. Which team will win the 2024 NBA Finals? Boston came in at 33%, Denver 33%, Milwaukee 23%. That is an extremely inoffensive <laughs> top three. That would be my top three as well. I might actually put Milwaukee ahead of Boston. I, I have more faith in them uh, in total. Uh, but Denver, obviously, you got to keep there considering they're the defending champs. They have what many people would say is the best player on the planet right now. Uh, which may as well just get into it too. Who win 2023 to 24 MVP? Uh, Jokic gets 43%, Giannis 20%, Tatum gets 13%, and Luka gets 10%. Uh, so the Knicks did show up once in these two rankings, not, not in the overall finals ranking, but in the East, they came in fifth highest ranking uh, behind Boston at 34%, Milwaukee 33%, Cleveland 11%, and Philly at 8%, then the Knicks get 7% for the fifth highest ranking in the East. Uh, this was like a weighted vote too. So it was like, you could vote first, second, third, and fourth. Uh, and I think that's what led to the Knicks getting that 7% ranking there. It's a little, little bit of an awkward number, but I don't know. I, I think my biggest reservation here is outside of those top two, I I still just don't get it with Cleveland. I, I don't think that Cleveland made such monumental moves that they deserve this level of this level of love considering they couldn't even get out of the first round against the Knicks last year. And honestly, it wasn't even competitive. Like that's the big thing. They, they lost four one and the Knicks honestly smacked them in the mouth and it was not pretty. Uh, so I don't, I don't totally get it. I'm not saying that the Knicks should necessarily be in third place, but I I would sooner put like, you know, just based off postseason success rate and everything else i would almost sooner put like miami there or something you know like the the question isn't who will have the best record in the east it's who will make it to the finals out of the east and 
I just I don't know. I I don't see it with with Cleveland there until they show something different. But I don't think like adding Max Struess and adding Georges Niang is that huge of a of a thing. Um, then as far as the MVP, I mean, I think uh, I think Brunson maybe should have gotten some love with at least one honorable mention. But I think it's going to take the Knicks overachieving last year's result for that to possibly happen. So if the Knicks win like 50 games this year or 52 or something like that, like if they overachieve based off last year's result, I could see a world where they potentially uh, end up having like Brunson with MVP votes. And I think that would be pretty cool because I, I think he would deserve it if that's the case. Like he's obviously going to be leading this team and, you know, sort of setting the tone in that way. So I guess we'll see as far as that's concerned. But uh, my buddy Zach at the Strickland on social media found a very, a very funny uh, potential wrinkle here of where Le <laughs> Leon Rose's votes maybe were exposed, uh, <laughs> which I'll get to in just a moment. But I do have to real quick remind you all that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of Locked On. And you can snap into an action this NFL season with FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the app action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And might I suggest getting involved with a same-game parlay, one of my favorite Ways to bet on a game. Uh, you could do it for the NFL. You could do it for the NBA. Pick a single game, and you can pick all kinds of different statistical categories and who you think is going to do what in that one game and make a really interesting multi-leg bet that you don't have to watch 10 different broadcasts to do. You can just watch one broadcast and hope that like five different things happen. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you can kick off the NFL season and, of course, get ready for the NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, and I'm back in to keep talking about this NBA GM survey, and then I'll be talking about ESPN NBA rank in a second too, uh, which of course was a little disrespectful. But uh, one funny thing, uh, not to you know pump up my own website, but uh, Zach, my my one social media manager for the Strickland, had a very funny note on this year's NBA GM survey. One voter picked Joel Embiid for all of the following categories: who will win the MVP? Uh, which player would you choose to start a franchise with? Which player forces coaches to make the most adjustments? Who's the best center in the NBA? And who's the best international player in the NBA? And considering GMs are not allowed to vote for their own players, Zach speculated on our Strickland Twitter, uh, <laughs> is Leon Rose the mystery voter? It's possible. That's a funny wrinkle. I, I like that. I like the idea that maybe uh, Leon Rose is using the GM survey to uh, to pump up Joel Embiid's ego a little bit or or perhaps just sending him his ballot and saying this is what i think of you man let's get you in new york let's figure this out i don't know what the case is there but it was it was pretty funny to me uh all right let's get into some of the other rankings here if you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the nba who would it be so Jokic ends up with 33 percent of the vote Victor Wembanyama with 23%, Giannis 13%, Luka 10%, and Anthony Edwards 7%. Uh, 
Uh, I didn't really have any objections with this list, although I am a little surprised, like how little age seems to play into the, these sort of lists. Like Jason Tatum is still pretty young, like compared to like Giannis, for example, uh, or compared to Jokic. And I can understand just because Jokic is at the top of this game right now, why you would want to do that. But I, I feel like I would put like Tatum ahead of Giannis, for example, or even Luca ahead of Giannis, just because of the amount of runway still left in their careers. Like, they're in their early 20s to still, like early to mid-20s, whereas Giannis is starting to enter his late 20s. I understand just how good Giannis is, but I don't know. I always wonder with these, you could start a franchise today things, why age doesn't seem to play as much of a factor as it maybe should. Uh, then we've got which player is most likely to have a breakout season in 2023-24. Anthony Edwards, 23%. Cade uh, Kate Cunningham, 20%, Franz Wagner, uh, 13%, Paolo Bancaro, 7%, Tyrese Maxey, 7%. You got other players with votes, some kind of weird, well, not like super weird, but kind of weird names like Desmond Bain, Mikhail Bridges, Tyrese Halliburton, all guys that I, I feel like have already kind of had their breakout season in many ways. I don't know if you're just expecting them to break out further. Uh, Chet Holmgren, understandable. Kyrie Irving? What? <laughs> the guy's in like his 12th year in the NBA. When is he going to break out? I don't know. Is he going to break out of being problematic? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Jaden McDaniels. Again, it's just a little interesting uh, when I get to the Knicks candidates that I would have thought should be on here, but whatever. Uh, Evan Mobley, Alperen Shengun, and Zion Williamson. Again, a guy who's averaged close to 30 points per game. In the NBA, so I don't know if his breakout is just breaking out from poor physical fitness and getting himself healthy for once. I don't know. Uh, but I was a little surprised to not see Quickly or Grimes get at least like one vote here, a little bit of love. Um, but it, I also think it's a little unsurprising that the Knicks young guys kind of find themselves pigeonholed in and just being role players often. So I don't know. I just think it's weird that a lot of the names that run this breakout list, I feel like have already broken out. Like again, Bane. Mikhail Bridges, Tyrese Halliburton, Kyrie Irving, uh, especially Zion. I, I don't know. I feel like these guys have kind of already reached some semblance of what their peak might look like, uh, which, you know, maybe is writing some of them off a little early considering how young they are. But like Bain and Mikhail are, are in their solidly in like their prime years at this point. Halliburton, you know, maybe you could argue has a higher ceiling still left. Kyrie is probably past his prime. So it, again, makes no sense to me, but whatever. Um, I guess we'll see. Uh, then we've got what was the most underrated player acquisition? Marcus Smart got 17%. Grant Williams got 14%. Dylan Brooks got 7%. Bruce Brown got 7%. Yusuf Nurkic got 7%. Max Struess got 7%. Fred Van Vliet got 7%. No love for Dante DiVincenzo in the honorable mentions. I don't know. I hope he proves people wrong with that. But I think DiVincenzo could be in there as far as one of the most underrated player acquisitions of this offseason. Um, <laughs> this is... I don't know. This one is like always the most hilarious question, especially if there's a huge consensus to me. Uh, which rookie was the biggest steal at where he was selected in the draft? Cam Whitmore at 20 in the draft got 43% of the vote. <laughs> and I just love it because I just want to be like, if you guys are all in consensus that this guy was a huge steal in the draft by slipping to 20, you know, you could have all taken him, right? Like, <laughs> why? Why are you just now having this realization? He was the same guy at the draft. You guys all just let some stupid, 
you know, think about like how his interview style was or whatever influenced your decision that much. So I don't know. I think it's just funny when the GMs like in, immediately admit fault like that. Uh, but for something that they had a full control over. Uh, we have another Nick showing up in a in a list here, though. Who is the best international player not in the NBA? Nikola Mirotic kind of ran away with it with 37%. But I think he's killing it in like the um, what is it? The the ACB over there, the the Spanish basketball league, I believe. He's like crushing it. So no, no big surprise there. But also in that league uh is Rokas Jokobitis, who got one of the two honorable mentions along with Juan Hernan Gomez. And GMs weren't allowed to pick their own players on this, so it's cool that other uh, other GMs are seeing Rokas as a uh, as you know a breakout international player. So hopefully he continues building on that this year. Hopefully he does come to the Knicks at some point because I do watch his highlights and I'm like, dude, Rokas does have the goods. Like I really think he's going to be a good NBA player when he comes over. Hopefully he's brought over to the Knicks and not instead just used as sort of a, a sweetener in a in a trade for a star or something, which. Unfortunately, based off the construction of the Knicks right now and his path to playing time, I feel like is maybe more likely than not, but we'll see how it goes. I'll be rooting for him regardless. Uh, who's the best defensive player in the NBA? Giannis ran away with it at 40%. Mitch didn't even get an honorable mention, nor Grimes, nor Quickly, nor any Nick. A little annoying. I do think the Knicks have some really great individual defensive players. I think Mitchell Robinson anchors the heck out of their defense. Um, even if they're numbers weren't as high last year they would have been a lot lower without mitch back there to anchor them and then uh, grimes i think is becoming one of the the most like shut down put him on an island sort of one-on-one -on -one defenders in the nba so is what it is i guess and then who's the best interior defender in the nba jaron jackson jr gets 30 percent of the vote and again not even an honorable mention for mitchell robinson even though draymond green made this list in 2023-24 as he's well into his 30s at this point. Annoying is what it is, I guess. But we're we got coaches to get into and coaching stuff. Uh, and then also the Knicks not even doing that well on the home court advantage ranking. That's kind of annoying. So one last segment to get into, along with getting into ESPN NBA rank, where I'll spend as little time on, on it as I can, but it needs to at least be mentioned how disrespected the Knicks were once again. So that's coming up next on Locked on Knicks. All right, and I'm back in to talk about the end of the NBA GM survey here. So which head coach runs the best offense? This one, not normally one that I would feel salty about, but Mike Brown, Sacramento, 33%. Steve Kerr, Golden State, 23%. Mike, Michael Malone, Denver, 17%. Uh, Finch in Minnesota, 13%. Carlisle in Indy, 7%. Nick Nurse in Philly and Quinn Snyder in Atlanta get honorable mention. If I'm going to throw a tiny bit of shade, only two of those teams had a better offensive rating than the Knicks last year, and only one of them has the same coach. Uh, Philly switched coaches to Nick Nurse, so... You know, Mike Brown in Sacramento, you got a case, but the Knicks, fourth best offensive rating in the league last year. And because of how crazy the offensive numbers were last year, though, placed them among one of the best offensive ratings in NBA history. And apparently reports coming out that teams around the league are, are uh, identifying offensive rebounding as something that they should be looking at more in players, thanks to the trend that, that Tibbs set up last year. 
you know, I'm the first to criticize Tibbs for certain things, but also give this man his flowers too. He kind of revolutionized the NBA and got ahead of something, you know, and and was at the head of an offensive trend for the first time in in probably his career. Uh, so yeah, I think he deserves a little bit of props there. Then we got which head coach has the best defensive schemes, uh, and Eric Spolstra wins with forty percent, Taylor Jenkins with thirteen percent, and Tibbs with thirteen percent. So. I mean, I don't know. Again, it should be noted the Knicks were 19th in defensive rating last year. And not to then turn around like crap on Tibbs. Like I think the Knicks defense was as good as it had to be to win games, but it certainly wasn't their their strongest point. And it's very reliant on funneling people into Mitchell Robinson to oh, or Isaiah Hartenstein to defend the the rim there. So and they they give up probably too many open threes, which we saw burn them uh, at various points, including against the Heat. So I don't know. I uh is this GM survey just kind of like all-star voting back in the day when like Tracy McGrady and Allen Iverson were like well beyond their prime, but still uh, getting voted in almost as all-star starters, <laughs> you know, maybe, I don't know. It's uh, it seems like this, this list, maybe these guys just reach a certain point at uh on this GM survey and just start kind of like filling in the Scantron randomly. Just being like, whatever, I don't care. I don't care. I'm done at this point. I got to go make some more moves. Come on, let's get out of here. I don't know. But uh, as far as assistant coaches, Darren Ehrman on the Knicks gets a vote for best or an honorable mention vote for best assistant coach in the NBA. None for Johnny Bryant, though. Poor guy. Uh, Johnny Bryant's been the uh, the heir apparent to Tibbs, if that ever happens, it seems like, and also has been the most, other than the guys that actually got signed away, and Mike Woodson and uh, Kenny Payne, he's been the most the most head coach. Uh, uh, head coach ready, I guess, coach on the Knicks bench, it seems, as far as the interviews he's getting and stuff. So poor guy. Didn't even get a didn't even get a vote for best assistant coach on this. Uh the, this one's maybe the biggest joke. Um the Knicks are tied for fifth in best home court advantage on this list. Denver wins out at 37%. Golden State at 17%. Sacramento at 13%. Utah at 10%. I like, is this all elevation-based? Is that why? Like, because Utah and Denver are at high elevation. It makes it a little harder to to play there. I don't know. But the Boston, Toronto, and the Knicks tied together at 7%. Like, I don't know. Just say you don't like New York and keep it moving here. Like, <laughs> the the in Madison Square Garden, if you ask the players this, every single player would be like Madison Square Garden. Like, or, or probably 45% would probably say New York, MSG, best home court advantage best place to play in the NBA. I, I don't know. Uh, it makes me feel like a homer when I defend the, when I defend like MSG that much, but I feel like that's the case. Uh, no votes for the, for most promising young core for the Knicks. So, you know, keep sleeping on them in that regard. Brunson gets an honorable mention for best leader. That's cool. And I totally agree with that. So that's basically, that's every time the Knicks showed up and all the other rankings. So, Hope you enjoyed. Now, ESPN NBA rank. I'm going to do this as fast as I possibly can, but a little disrespectful. Mitch gets number 100 right on the cusp of the list. Jared Allen ranked 50 spots higher at number 50. What are you doing, ESPN? Did you watch the playoffs last year? I don't think you did. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly and Josh Hart uh, come back-to-back at 92 and 91. Uh, I'll just throw one name out there that makes this – invalid buddy healed ranked 87 
I mean, come on. Like, the guy isn't even a rotation player on a team that didn't make the playoffs last year and is trying to force his way out of there right now. I don't think you can make a good conscious case that Buddy Heald is better than Quickly or Hart, who both were huge contributors on a second-round playoff team. Uh, but there's plenty of other guys ranked ahead of them that I probably would have disagreed with, too. Uh, maybe even just from the Knicks themselves, RJ gets number 71 this year, which is lower than where he was last year. But I'm like, you know, I don't know. I would, I would have quickly and RJ a lot closer. And at this point, probably quickly a smidge higher, uh, even if I still believe in RJ and think he can still be really good. So I don't know is what it is there. Uh, Julius Randle at 45. This is another big disrespect one. Let's just list a few of the names that came ahead of him. CJ McCollum at 44. James Harden at 43, Maxi at 42, uh, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine at 39 and 38, Mikal Bridges at 33, Paolo Bancaro, who's like a rookie, like really good, but like a rookie version of Randall, like, you know, a, a guy who's like Randall who hasn't quite put it all together just yet at 30, uh, Trey Young at 29, Lowry Markinen at 28, and Brandon Ingram at 27. I just feel like, uh, so this year's ranking was less disrespectful than last year to Julius Randle because last year he was ranked at 71, which even with how bad his 21 and 22 season was, I thought was still wildly low. Uh, but I I don't know, man. I don't know how you have a guy who was voted by the press to be one of the 15 best players in the NBA last year uh, via the All-NBA rankings and then also was an All-Star last year at 45 and be below a lot of those other players. I think, I think his, his playoff performance, I guess has just left such a sour taste in some people's mouth that they forget just how crucial he was to how well the Knicks did in the regular season last year and how much he like carried them in those certain weeks when Jalen Brunson was off too, where Brunson had his, you know, couple little injuries and also had one small stretch of like a week or two where he just was not playing very well. Randall carried the Knicks through that. So I, I feel like he doesn't get enough, enough love for that at this point people are just kind of hung up on his playoff performance with an ankle they had to get surgery on shortly thereafter then we got jalen brunson at 32 uh trey young at 29 ahead of him drew holiday at 26 darren fox 23 tyrus halliburton 21 jamal murray 17 and donovan mitchell 15 uh, again it seems a little weird to have brunson so much lower than a bunch of guys that either didn't make the playoffs or that he knocked out of the playoffs personally in the case of Mitchell last year. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, and especially considering how bonkers Brunson went during both the regular season and the postseason, he somehow got even better in the postseason from where he was in the regular season, which was already fantastic. He had a 49.1% overall field goal percentage, 41.6% from three on about five attempts per game and 83% from the free throw line slash line last year. You're not going to find too many guys ahead of him that can come even close to that. In fact, almost none of them can get there uh, other than maybe Mitchell and Murray, I think uh, are kind of close Halliburton, maybe a little bit, but you know, certainly, certainly not Trey drew or Fox, especially with those perimeter shooting numbers. Uh, I think it's just uh, once again, a little disrespectful, but that's just how these ranking lists go. The Knicks will hopefully look to prove all these things wrong, and uh, they're probably not listening at all to the, <laughs> the people with these things. So, you know, it is what it is. But that's it for today. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll be back with some more episodes. I think Gavin's got a second part with John Schmilk 
coming out tomorrow from his discussion about uh, Quentin Grimes. So that's totally cool. And then uh, we've got a second preseason game, which we might do a seven-episode week for you guys and put an episode out uh, on Sunday to go over that game. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that or perhaps put it out on Monday. Uh, but no matter what, we're here for you guys for every preseason game, for every little bit of news, no matter how much how little it is, and to break down these disrespectful rankings to the Knicks. Every time here on Lockdown Knicks, we're here for you guys five days a week. So thank you all for listening today, and we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.